This program is about a show about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you're about to hear is not a news broadcast and is insanely outdated. June 2019. Two childhood friends, now in their early 30s and an ocean apart, embark on an intellectual and humorous venture. A podcast where every week they research and discuss strange and macabre facts in a volley of wits and giggles. On completion of one particular episode, fate's tricky fingers set the random topic generator to a subject neither podcaster could have anticipated. This topic would run them through every facet of the human condition, through joy, fear, frustration, and eventually, death. Hello, and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl. I'm Melanie, and with me is my co-host, Danielle. Join us for this week's episode about Unsolved Mysteries, the television show. Hello and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. This is Melanie, and with me is um I've forgotten my name. <laughs> we were so well scripted to begin, and now we're just kind of fucked without it. Yeah, okay, I'll just um, I'm Danielle, I think. <laughs> Where are we? What are we doing? All right, okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get into our topic, which I believe was a pretty much of a dead giveaway with the uh, with the intro, do we have any housekeeping? Only one thing. I noticed that in the previous episode, I accidentally said 2,000 years ago instead of 2,000 BC. That's my only correction. You later ah. say 2,000 BC, and so people will get the right year. But I said 2,000 years ago instead of 2,000 BC because I was using both intermittently and got myself confused. But yes, there, that's it. You monster. I know. What were you thinking? I just knew if I didn't say something, someone would say something. <laughs> I don't think they will. I think I, I think very few uh, professionals are listening to us uh, yet. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, shit. No, I, I like to think that all of my <clears throat> computers are listening secretly. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. She does her research. She's really smart. I'm so smart. So smart. And mine is not so much housekeeping, but I, I'm i sure you've all noticed, I'm sure y'all noticed, I slip from one accent to the other quite <laughs> frequently, and I apologize, I'm not making fun of anyone, I'm, this is just unfortunately how my brain works, slipping from one accent or one voice or character to the other. I, I do it too, I think. I'm I'm a very cartoony rendition of myself uh, at at all times, and apparently that is um, yeah spans multiple multiple cultures and and languages and accents. And you just so, did that. You turned into Eddie Izzard at the end of there. In the accents. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but just so you know, I'm not making fun of anybody. If I totally mangle your accent, I, I super apologize. This is just, uh, Danielle, I remember you used to get kind of mad and thought that I was making fun of you whenever I'd pick up an English accent. In the beginning, yeah, until I learned about the concept of mimicry, mimic, mimicry in primate behavior, 
which is mm. actually complimentary. It meant that you were submitting to me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Look it up. <laughs> there just weren't any nipples involved, so I went for the accident. All right. So before we go into the topic, well, once again, for the second time before we go into the topic, the purge. Yeah, I don't have anything that I would like to moan about or anything like that. I'm just very tired. So if it's a Sunday and it's a bit muggy and it's a bit, you know, lazy Sunday afternoon type of thing going on with me. I know it's Sunday morning for you, but yeah. So if I kind of drop out a little bit, I'll should perk back up again. But I, you know, that's pretty much it. Just, just <laughs> FYI, I am a human being. I don't really particularly have anything to purge. I've been a little blue lately and. Uh, for me, it's not necessarily out of the norm. Uh, you know, I've got chronic depression and, and all kinds of fun little mental who's-its and what's-its. But, uh, yeah, late, lately I've been dealing with, like, some abandonment issues. So that's been kind of fun and kind of, like, heavy on the brain. So, yeah, that's that's really, it's not so much a purge as sort of, like, I love you and I'm reaching out. <laughs> if you have somebody with mental health issues, make sure you reach out to them. Even when they make light of their own mental health issues by making silly voices. It's what I do. Feel, I feel you on that. I just don't want to currently bring it up. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So we'll, we will have a mental health episode at some point be, because it's important. And, you know, we both we both have our little battles. And um, I think it's it's really helpful to hear people that you enjoy or um that you know kind of going through a similar thing and and just makes you feel less alone in it Mm. so uh yeah there's that uh that's all i really got oh i already i breathed without you i'm sorry you bitch it just came naturally (laughs) all right let's try this again one two three wasn't quite the same no it, it read all over your face you're like i did this before <laughs> <laughs> been here on that <laughs> so our topic this week is unsolved mysteries the tv show yes and we hope we're not breaking any copyright laws by having the theme music at the beginning of the show but hopefully we'll get away with it because we're so small if they come for us i'll fight them with my cat just throw my yeah. cat at them Oh, we'll just take the episode down and say we're so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Unsolved Mysteries was a TV show uh, started on NBC. It began in 1987 with just a few short specials, but eventually became a full-fledged series in 1988, hosted by Robert Stack, till about 1997. It was off and on until 2010 with a couple different hosts like Virginia Madsen and Dennis Farina. Um, basically, it's a documentary-style format uh, profiling real-life mysteries like unsolved murders, missing fortunes, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, and celebrity deaths. There's a lot of strange, unique things that kind of made that show stand out. Mostly it was the, uh, the spooky theme song. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear that theme song, you know exactly what's going down. Mm-hmm. And then it was Robert Stack's dramatic voice. And my favorite aspect is the... The using of actual family members or police in the reenactments. 
Yeah, and something that stands out to me as well is that in the very early episodes, and throughout quite a lot of it, the people that, that are being interviewed play themselves in their reenactments. It's so weird. It's so, it's so weird. fucking weird. It's so awkward. Like, uh, and a lot of the times, you know, like the, it'll be like the dad, and his son only died maybe a year ago, and he's he's opposite an actor playing his dead son. It's like, how is that okay with anybody? Yeah. There was a really awkward one where this guy um, was reenacting going to the scene of finding his son's body. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that episode later. And even, is the police officer the actual police officer as well? Probably. Yeah, and he's going like, I just want to warn you, there's not much left of him. And yes, yes. Yeah, and I the guy goes, I, I want to see him. And you're like, Jesus Christ, why are you putting yourself through this? Mm-hmm. And women that are letting themselves being thrown around like they've been burgled or like they're going to be raped and stuff, and they've actually been through this, and you're thinking, what? What yeah. are they paying you? Right? <laughs> Nothing. It's NBC. Like, I can't imagine. They're pay- they had no budget. No, no, they wouldn't have been paying them a penny. But but I think it was just, especially in the, the like, the 80s, you know, oh, I could be on TV? Like, this is such a huge deal. It was, it was sort of the beginning of the average Joe kind of being on TV. Ooh. I worry if some of it was being pressured into doing it because mm-hmm. otherwise they wouldn't get on the show because they wouldn't be able to afford to hire actors. That's just my theory. I don't I don't find anyone saying that online. That'd be but so I, shitty. Wouldn't that be shitty? But, you know, come on. Do you want us to find your dead son? You better act in this video because we're not going to air it. Well, I don't think they'd be threatening about it. I think what they'd say is it would really help if we had a reenactment because people really connect with that. And really, you know, that's how we get out to them so much. And if you don't do the reenactment, then it's just an interview. People might kind of, you know, not pay attention as much and things like that. Like just kind of like coax them into it. Because there's one with like an old woman that's reenacting getting robbed and they like have her get tied up and everything. And you think Jesus Christ, these sadistic people. <laughs> sadistic when you do it to other people and masochistic when you get it to yourself, or is it the other way around? No, it's sadistic yeah. like it, masochistic to give it. No, sadistic is to give pain. Masochistic is to receive pain. Okay. Trust me, I know these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had my own little unsolved mystery with this fucking show. So usually, like, it is so easy for me to just watch TV all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I can binge watch anything, any day, anywhere. And the one time where I very specifically need to sit down and binge watch something, I was interrupted every single time. I couldn't get more than five, ten minutes into an episode at any point in the last week. Yikes. But I would try it with other shows. I'd be like, you know what, maybe... Maybe it's it's just this show. So I'll put on, like, Supernatural, and nobody's touching me. Well, completely uninterrupted. What? <laughs> what? What if I put on YouTube and just watch some, some, like, news or something and completely uninterrupted? I put on YouTube just in case, just in case it was, like, specifically the app that I was using. And, well, okay, maybe I'll try YouTube watching some uh, Unsolved Mysteries three minutes in. Can I... People are fucking interrupting me. I was like, why? I need to watch this. <laughs> why is this happening? As soon as we're done recording this, I'll be able to binge watch it. No freaking problem. Yeah, guaranteed. So it, it's not so much Murphy, it's not so much an unsolved mystery. It's more Murphy's Law, but it felt like a 
friggin' phenomenon. Like and, you're uh, a text that you could Yeah. <laughs> I've not really had too much of an issue other than um, I've had to make my other half sit through episode after episode after episode. <laughs> and not just that, the other night I literally just watched the intros. Yes, yes. <laughs> just for like 10 episodes in a row, I just watched Stack do his thing in which by the way little fun fact is a masonic hall in pasadena california a lot of the time when he's doing his wandering around unless he's on a set it's actually in pasadena but anyway it's just what after another one after another after another after i'm just watching the the beginning because i found that the information on the episode wasn't giving me enough information like I wouldn't know if it was a paranormal or yeah. if it was you know so I had to actually watch the intros to find the good stuff because everything online as well when it gave me episode guides it was not doesn't have it in the order in which it the people well you know like the lists are online yeah. so it would say like series nine episode 12 and I would go to that and it wouldn't be the right episode so it just doesn't line up so okay, I actually well, don't find them. I was on this the hunt, this hunt for this very specific episode, and I found out that it should have been season four, episode sixteen, right. and I cannot find it anywhere. I just I can't, and it's making me so upset. What was the um, episode? Um, it was about well it involved a um, woman named Pat Farmer. Um, and this, this going into the topic that uh, that I really want to hit, um, so I'll, I'll probably bring this bring this back up later. But basically, it's uh, she was a grandmother. I, I can't. I didn't get to the episode, so I can't give you too much too many facts. Mm-hmm. But apparently, she was a grandmother who um, kept her grandchild away from his parents and convinced the child to agree that his parents were satan worshipers right yeah so that she could keep the child or something like that i'm not i'm not sure i wanted to know more i Mm. wanted more information and i couldn't find it but segueing from there maybe i should just go into the thing i wanted to talk about unless unless you have anything in particular you want to throw out Um, i can throw out some fun facts first um Right, so some fun facts about Unsolved Mysteries is that um, Matthew McConaughey played a murder victim in an episode. Yeah. Before he was um, the Matthew McConaughey. Henry Rollins has appeared as what? himself. Yeah, as himself. Um, I, in a story to find the people responsible for the murder of his friend Dennis's son. Whoa. Um, John Bon Jovi has also been in an interview uh, <laughs> about the murder of his manager's daughter, Catherine. So, some big names on there. I'm kidding. There's an episode of um, Unsolved Mysteries, sorry, a segment of one of the episodes called Lucky Choir, in which a a church explodes. Yeah! (laughs) Um, The story goes that the choir always meet at the same at the same time at the church to rehearse, and for whatever reason, everyone ended up being late to the choir practice that day yeah. and they all narrowly escaped the whole church exploding yeah and it's quite a cool story but the fun fact <laughs> is that the producers of the show decided that they were really going to blow up a church yeah. so they 
they found out where there was one scheduled for demolition. So, and they went, I, uh, somewhere, they went somewhere, I don't, I didn't write down where, but they went to somewhere wherever it was scheduled to be demolished. Did you write it down? No. They went to the place and they, they actually found a church that was scheduled for demolition and they had special effects experts <laughs> actually blow it up for the show. Mm-hmm. So if you go and you find the episode Lucky Choir, I actually didn't go back and look at the episode because the episode listing slash thing was not accurate and I couldn't be bothered looking for it. But if yeah. you go for Lucky Choir, that is actually they actually blow up a church. Well, what's extra funny about that, too, is that the person that was responsible for blowing it up put like 10 times the amount of explosive that was necessary. So it was supposed to be just like a small kind of explosion, just sort of like, uh, you know, not, nothing, nothing huge. But the thing went up like a goddamn fireball because so- he he used like I, I don't remember the numbers. I, I meant to write them down, but it was just like. Hundreds of sticks of TNT, gallons of gasoline, just like way, way overkill. So when the thing exploded, like debris was raining down on everybody. They're screaming and running for cover. <laughs> and they ended up, they go to the guy and they're like, what the hell did you do? And he goes, I blew it up for you. <laughs> so so I use the term expert <laughs> rather ironically. <laughs> They blew this shit out of it, and that was not their intent. Like, they meant to blow it up, but they, they like, basically obliterated it. I mean, I can, I, I imagine special effects experts who their, like, forte is explosions, mm-hmm. really just liking blowing shit up. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, if the opportunity arose for them to blow up a church, I think they'd probably really want to take advantage of that. So I don't hold it against them whatsoever. Well, and I think also it's like, you know, this was in the, the 80s. So maybe they didn't, you know, again, low budget show, super I low budget. I think by budget. the time this happened, it was early 90s. I think the Lucky Choir was later on. I don't think the budget had increased that much. About no, that. no, no. But they would bloody well know what they were doing. Yeah, but I, I think they probably went with a inexpensive, <laughs> um, like, special <laughs> effects Explosions guy. are us. They're like, hey, there's Joe down at the uh, radiator hut, and he's he's good with blowing shit up. So I made up a store. All right. <laughs> so. Um, once again, this is this is something I will do fairly often, which is bringing up the store I work in because I really love the place I work, and it's a bunch of random cool shit, from from sort of semi occult to to body jewelry to beautiful things. So one thing that I see a lot again is you know the pentacle. I wear the pentacle. I'm pagan. It's it's a beautiful, positive symbol. Um, has many different meanings. For me, it's the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit, and it is a beautiful thing. But a lot of people, when they see a pentacle, they immediately assume Satan, right? Yep. Yep. And the main reason for that is because originating in the 1970s and going on the way through into the 1990s, we experienced, at least here in America, the satanic panic. Um, basically on the heels of mass media attention of serial killers like the Manson family and uh, Night Stalker and Son of Sam and, and 
things like that, you had a, a heightened sense of fearing strangers in your community or even people that you knew in the community. You, you didn't stay out at, uh, after dark um, and suddenly everyone was a threat. And not only were they a threat, but they were like an extreme form of a threat. It wasn't just, you know, you could get mugged. It was like, no, there's somebody going out there and murdering people. Um, don't trust anybody. Round about 1972, this guy, this gentleman named Mike Warnke wrote a book called The Satan Seller. And it chronicled his life as an orphan and finding his way into Satanism, eventually becoming high priest, involved in orgies and drug dealing and summoning demons and ritual kidnap and rape. And oh, my God, Mm. he became reformed. He found Jesus and he wrote this book. All of it was fake. Yeah, smells like bullshit to me. Completely debunked. All of it was fake. But. For a solid, like, 20 years, he was the go-to guy for Christian evangelicals and the media um, as far as what does Satanism look like? Yeah. You know, what What are we looking for? What do, what do we see in this? So suddenly there was a mouthpiece for this bullshit version of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was everywhere because also in the 80s you had the rise of evangelical Christian TV. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a, sound, a, a mouthpiece. They they were being heard more than ever before. So suddenly the media is covering Satanism and any sort of crime that is looks even slightly weird is immediately assumed to have some sort of satanic or ritual or cult potential. In yeah, it. if your daughter has a Ouija board and a few candles, she's a she's a Satanist. If your son plays Dungeons and Dragons, he might be a Satanist. Yeah. I am flipping off the world right now. I'm I'm so mad at the Satanic Panic. Because, yeah, I mean, witches have been prosecuted forever. We've mass murders and all that fun stuff, you know, just it's never been easy. And Wicca sort of like kind of came to be in the 70s. It's actually 60s or 70s is when Wicca actually became an, a, a genuine sort of religion or following. And with that, you know, then you had this sort of thing and it just sort of like spun the whole witch thing again. And suddenly it was harder to be a witch. A pentacle was Satan. And it was, I don't know, it it makes me mad. So as we're watching, as I'm watching the the show, you know, I start first episode and the second episode, there was this this part that just sort of hit me wrong. It Mm -hmm. hit me real wrong because of the words that we're using. Uh, satanic cult, things like that. And it it really, really bothered me. So I decided to kind of look into it and just sort of see uh, how many episodes sort of revolve around Satanism, how many, if there's anybody who can, who's done a study or can sort of point to how maybe this show specifically contributed to the Satanic Panic. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Nobody yeah. else, nobody else is interested in that but me. Not, not, not. You'll be okay. Not specifically satanic panic, but there are studies on how it influenced the uh, general public's view on crime. Okay. So although it isn't talking about like there aren't studies about satanic panic specifically, I didn't read through the papers that I'm going to refer to because basically I just kind of wanted to find a breadth of yeah. of studies rather than go into reading them specifically. Quite frankly, I was having too much fun watching the episodes mm-hmm. and didn't want to sit and read a 25 page long uh, article about you know 
perceptions of crime you know I just I just didn't so but your studies exist okay good but on a more broad because I think that it's too hard to, to be able to go this episode of unsolved mysteries caused a 75 percent increase in the paranoia about satanism I just wanted a little list <laughs> <laughs> and notice how i said a satanism what the hell <laughs> satanism however um on that note in the time that um unsolved mysteries was on the television the the crime statistic for people believing that crime was the most important problem facing their country went from 5% in uh, 1992 to 52% in 1994. And that is, they're actually referred to in the statistics as this big scare. And it's based on data from 1978 till 1998. And that is exactly when these, this wave of TV shows, real crime TV shows hit the air. So we're talking unsolved mysteries, Uh, America's Most Wanted and Cops all of a sudden it's like boom crimes on the telly you know all the time but we're watching it as entertainment yeah and so fear of crime goes up to 52% from 5% but the actual crime statistics are are nose diving they're going down yeah nice so you know well well, it's funny because like it's not so much even like just for entertainment like when when it came to cops and and unsolved mysteries and all that stuff like you really felt like you had potential to help solve a crime oh that's certainly how it's dressed up yeah but yeah uh, but that as a viewer that's what you you feel it you're like oh maybe i'll recognize somebody and maybe that's my old teacher or something the overwhelming majority of people will have been watching it for entertainment value and whether or not they wanted to admit it to themselves yeah um i did look at to see how many crimes unsolved mysteries did actually solve in over the over a thousand segments featured over the lifetime of unsolved mysteries around half of them were solved later perhaps in some part five years so they actually do have quite a lot of updates that that come through like after watching this episode somebody recognized and things like that but if we think about just general numbers there's half of what they featured in their life in the lifetime of the show were eventually solved and quite a lot of them were contributed to by viewers Mm -hmm. of the show so although I will say it did contribute to fear and paranoia and a unreal, un, ac, inaccurate um, opinion of the of the state of crime in America. It yeah, did yeah. help a heck of a lot of people. It yeah, really and especially considering that probably at least a third of all the segments were about, you know, cryptids and UFOs and ghosts, things that aren't necessarily specifically supposed to be solved that yeah if you take them out yeah i wonder if the statistics i wonder if the the thousand episode actually uh, sorry thousand segments does take that into account so of the 1000 crime related segments Mm -hmm. rather than 1000 episodes i think it would be because there's four there's at least four segments per episode oh my god we have to do like eight we have to do like a, a Unsolved Mysteries update for the next episode. 
update. We did some <laughs> research and found that actually <laughs> this many were about crime. We can do it every single time from now on if you want. Yes! <laughs> Instead of doing housekeeping, are there any updates? Yes, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, voted. Say aye. 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 Okay. Update. Oh, God, so good. All right. Um, let, let me go back to my satanic thing real quick. Let's get back to Satan. Go back to Satan. Just before you go back to Satan, I just want to say, had we, any one of us died tragically when we were teenagers, we would all have been painted as a satanic cult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, easily. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, if one of us got hit by a car or something something tragic happened to us, but it was an unsolved mystery, we end up on one of these shows... Mm-hmm. We would have all had to go, we're not Satanists, we're just stupid teenagers. <laughs> we're just dumb teenagers. I just like the color black. and, and you know, I like the color is... black. I like to draw pentacles on things. I like to play around with Ouija boards because we're stupid. Because we're stupid. Yeah. It I does mean... nothing to do with Satan. All right. So my favorite episode on, on this whole Satanic Panic kick was on season one, episode two. The death of Kurt McFall. On Saturday, September 8, 1984, a teenage boy drove from his home in Concord, California, across the Bay Bridge into San Francisco. He planned to spend the night and return home Sunday evening. Monday, September 10th, three days later, on some rugged cliffs in a remote area of San Francisco Bay, two men were birdwatching. On the isolated beach below, they discovered the bruised, half-naked body of 17-year-old Kurt McFall. His father suspects foul play. So Kurt was really a normal, handsome, popular lad, although I have some questions on the whole popular thing. Kurt's dad, his name is Tom, is really, 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 really convinced that foul play met his son. When they found him, he had fallen. It looked like he had fallen from a cliff. His car was up top and he was found on the beach below. His car was unlocked, his keys in it, his ID in it. Uh, there was 20 bucks left in the uh, glove glove box. There's beer cans and beer bottles all around and inside the car. And in the trunk, he had a suit of armor that had gone missing. Now, Tom, sweet, young, popular Tom, at 10 years old, began playing Dungeons and Dragons. Wait, is it Tom or Kurt? Oh, shit, I fucked it up. Tom, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt! Kurt began playing Dungeons and Dragons at 10 years old, which sort of grew into it. He said it was the beginning of a voyage into a subculture that would dominate Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Oh my God. Oh God. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's really bad. So basically, this this kid Kurt, he he played Dungeons and Dragons, and he was he was kind of nerdy, apparently popular. But in the year before he died, all right, so at like seventeen, sixteen years old, he got involved in uh, SCA, which is Society Society for Creative Anachronism, which is fucking larping. Larping. <laughs> Once a week, they practice jousting and sword fighting in the parking lot of an Oakland subway station. <laughs> Dude's a nerd! 
<laughs> when does it turn to Satanism? Please help me here. <laughs> okay, so the LARPing was only started about a year before his death, okay? Oh. And apparently while he was into that, he got really into like medieval practices and medieval pagan traditions. So as Kurt became increasingly interested in medieval rituals, he joined a separate group who initiated him into pagan religion. A friend of Kurt's did not trust the group and feared for his safety. While he was interviewed, he was bathed in shadow. What the fuck? Terrified, terrified of this, this cult, I air quotations, cult that his friend Kurt was in. Oh, he was, he, he sounded scared. I'm pretty sure he's the one that killed Kurt, but that's just my own opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he gets involved with this, this pagan group. And the theory is that the leader of this group had him killed because Kurt wanted to leave. This is a running theme in the other satanic episodes. Um, in every, satanic every group. That it, they get killed because they want to leave the group. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at this guy, <laughs> this guy, God bless his heart. Um, Kurt. Uh, no, the the leader of his pagan group. Oh, right, right. Uh, Kurt studied pagan religion with Gabriel Carrillo, who uses the ancient Welsh name Caradoc. <laughs> and I'm going to keep pronouncing it Caradoc. He's that he's that uh, third level mage, and um, <laughs> his, his his charisma is like so much so much. But I can't even think of anything Did to say. Charisma's really he's high. He's charismatic. He's he's almost like a bard. He's so charismatic. But, yeah, except he's not a bard because bards are pointless. <laughs> bards are hilarious. Okay, I play D and D. Bards are red. Bards are surplus to requirement. They're fantastic. <laughs> anyway, so Caradoc, he says, this is a religion which is also an art, a craft, which has techniques which are at their essence magical. <laughs> so Caradoc I want to um, know these people They sound cool Oh yeah he's great He's got this terrifying mustache He's like this kind of overweight uh, You know kind of uh, you know, I got some I got some homosexual vibes And you know that's fine But no, not the creep vibes though No not creep vibes at all Just like a sweet gay like guy with a bad mustache Um, <laughs> Yeah He's totally he, into like I, I don't what are they call what are they calling it? They're not calling it LARPing at this time. They're calling it but what in in real time or in the eighties? Uh, in this in this in this thing that he's the leader of. Oh well, he, he's um they they didn't go into what kind of paganism they were doing. No, but sorry, I'm confused. I thought he was the leader of the group of people who did the LARPing, but no, where no, no, no. Was LARPing. No, it's just another thing, another hobby that the kid had. Yeah, so he went from LARPing into this sort of pagan, like, coven. Oh, okay, okay, I follow you, I follow you, I follow and, you. And the coven was led So by the LARPing him. was the gateway drug? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, no. D&D was the gateway drug. LARPing All was, right. like, heroin, and, and now he's, he's, yeah. No, no, so, I feel like it might be that that D&D was the pot, and yeah. then... And then um, LARPing was the shrooms and the acid. And, and alcohol. And, and alcohol, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. And then the next step was um, this satanic cult. 
hard drugs. <laughs> Which is the hard drugs. Okay. Which his friend actually compared it to. Um, friend compares, uh, Kurt's friend compares Colt to a drug addiction. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like, and it looks like friggin' Wicca or something. Like, it's super mellow. They're all in a circle in the living room. There's, like, a candle in the middle. It's, like, super mellow. Is anyone wearing a cloak? They're all in, like, fucking khakis. Oh, right. So, yeah. it's not Satanism if there's no cloaks going on. Seriously, if there's khakis, it's not Satanism. Okay. Or like a sweater vest? Not Satanism. I'm really upset that I didn't get to see this episode, because I watched episode two, or at least what it was saying was episode two, and this was not on it. It's, like I think, the last segment of the second episode on Prime. I was, I was watching the one on Prime. Maybe I fell asleep. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. It's a good one. So, basically, Kurt goes, he becomes really good friends with Karadak. It's thought that maybe they're starting sort of like a lover's... Thing. Maybe they're getting a little, little intimate. So Kurt goes to spend the night over at Caradoc's place. They go to dinner. They have, go see a movie. They go to bed roughly around, or they go swimming roughly around midnight. And then about three in the morning, uh, Caradoc, I think his name is like Gabriel or something. I, yeah, I just Gabriel. Said. Such yeah. a lovely name. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm going to keep calling him Caradoc because he did it to himself. Okay. He identifies as Caradoc. Yeah. But I guess uh, Kurt woke him up at three in the morning saying, hey, it's hot. According to the actor's reenactment. Oh, it's super hot. I'm going to I'm just going to go for a swim. So he leaves. Kurt leaves. And that was the last time anybody had ever heard from him. Um, His car was found the next day. Keys, ID and twenty dollars inside. So there's beer cans and bottles all around the car. His armor, his LARPing armor was missing (laughs) from his trunk. And there was no alcohol, no alcohol or drugs found in Kurt's body. So when Kurt's body's found the next day on the beach, right below the car, he's got scratches and bruises all down his back. It looks like he fell, right? Like mm-hmm. all signs point to him just having fallen. Um, he was very pale, so he was probably in the water for a while. All signs point to him having fallen, but his dad insists his son was a professional mountain climber and scuba diver at 17 years old. Mm. And because of this cult activity, uh, it must have been a murder. And his cause of death was multiple traumatic injuries and severe blood loss, like all from having fallen down a cliff. Okay. Um, You know, but his dad, poor guy, is just dead set on it because especially because a day after the day after they found his body, his dad received an anonymous phone call, which we believe it's from uh, Kurt's friend who was swathed in shadow throughout the whole okay. episode, saying, "Your suspect, your suspect." Kurt, to- yes, exactly. Okay, so yeah, somebody called him and told him that Kurt was involved in some sort of satanic cult, and that he wanted out, but thought that they might try to kill him. Um, so he- now his dad's got that in his head. The day after they found his body. You know, mm. so he goes into his son's room and he finds. But basically they found he found like a knife that was made out of a deer's foot. He found a necklace made out of stones and feathers and satanic or uh, drawings showing satanic and uh, fantasy like violence. Dude, he played D&D, yo. Yeah. Like he was drawing goblins fighting wizards and shit. Yeah. Like that's not. Mm, mm. I know, Melanie. I 
I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I feel it in my soul. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm not even a witch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I you know. <laughs> it, it, makes, it makes me mad as a witch. It makes me mad as somebody who plays Dungeons and Dragons. It makes mm-hmm. me mad as somebody that would love to LARP, but just can't bring myself to get there as a nerd. Yeah, I think it I think it brings back to mind the fact that I like so many teenagers went through a phase where I wore quite dark clothing and wore a black eyeliner and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I was all with you guys on that. I never I never identified as goth. Mm-hmm. I was always I was always grunge punk. Yeah. Or just grunge. Or I just couldn't be asked. If you know, it didn't matter. <laughs> But people thought we were Satanists because we lived in a very Christian uh, city Mm -hmm. going, you know, and we both lived in quite, you know, normal, suburban, white area. Yeah. And we sort of stood out very much so. Yes. And I it, hearing things like this, stories like this just makes me realize, just sort of recalls that feeling of like you don't understand yeah you just don't understand and yet you're projecting all of this onto me but I have done nothing but exist yeah and it just it it makes you mad as a person that wants to be able to explain yourself um to people and it makes you mad because you're because they think that they have the right to put words in your mouth and actions on your body kind of thing and it's just like you are judging me based on my Kurt Cobain t-shirt and my long, straggly, greasy hair, but you know nothing about me at all. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, I just remember being in that place for so long, so much so that that's part of the reason why I left, isn't it, Melanie? It's part of the yeah. reason why I came back to England is that I felt that um, I never truly belonged in America on a on a deeper level than just my personality being a bit quirky because mm-hmm. I never felt welcome as an immigrant either so um I had these like double things going on where if I ever said anything out of place it was either blamed on me being a freak or it was blamed on me from being an outsider yeah so I thought at least if I come back to England for a bit at least I'll be local mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and I can just tick that off the list and you know it's very strange there's always um um, a facet of the community that wants to make other people into others literally just to like separate them and then judge them and and put all of these sort of ideas into everybody else's heads about them but they know nothing they know absolutely nothing and it's so heartbreaking and frustrating because it's still happening every single day so when we get frustrated and I see your face when you're talking about oh this perpetuating stereotypes about Satanism, yeah, it's just it's so oh tiresome. It's tiresome and it's heartbreaking and it's frustrating and it's stupid. It's stupid. It's Dungeons and Dragons. I know, and that's the funny thing about it. That's why we were laughing because Dungeons and Dragons is honestly the most innocent, <laughs> nerdiest, most cringy thing that you can possibly associate with something as crazy powerful as Satanism. LARPing. LARPing. LARPing's worse. LARPing is worse. Just saying. <laughs> I only just stopped laughing about that. Don't make me do it again. <laughs> Melanie, have you watched What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show yet? Oh, my God, yeah. 
Oh my god, with the LARPing group. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's the best thing ever. I love it Virgin so Rich Pickens. <laughs> Alright, so uh, we are running on and on, so let me... Do you want to go into something there? Well, I kind of just want to talk about Bigfoot for a minute. Yeah, Bigfoot! <laughs> okay, there are so many themes in Unsolved Mysteries that we're not going to get to in this episode. Yeah. There's lots of really nice things like... Um, reuniting people that lost family finding birth parents stuff like that fan fantastic yeah that i can get behind those stories are great anything that helps bring closure to people fantastic bringing people together however <clears throat> there is a side of unsolved mysteries <laughs> <laughs> that allows idiots a platform to speak on Mm-hmm. And allows people who are that don't share a brain cell between them <laughs> to talk about facts and evidence as if they were facts and evidence and they <laughs> get corrected. Case in point will be any of the segments that feature Bigfoot. Yeah. Eyewitness accounts where they say there's no way it could have been this thing or anything like that. Nobody ever questions them. Everyone just lets them tell their story and twist it and say things that that are just no one ever goes, hold on a minute, what do you mean by that? And how do you know that it wasn't a thing? And how do you know it wasn't this thing? And, you know, like, who told you this? And no one ever, ever, ever gets questioned. Yeah. And it's particularly strong with Bigfoot. Yeah, because people in America really fucking want to believe in Sasquatch. Yeah, we do. I I don't, but yes, we do. Yes, the proverbial we. Yeah. Okay. Every time I've heard what is supposedly a Bigfoot sound as well, I always go, well, that's a lynx. We have now established that lynx sound like screaming devil demons yeah when they are you know confronted with each other and that seems to be exactly what bigfoot sounds like whenever people are like we don't know what this sound is i'm going we know what that is now because it's a lynx (laughs) and at the time they probably the you know like the the rangers and shit were probably like that's probably some kind of animal I'm not sure what kind of animal it is, but it's probably an animal because it was an animal, all right? Yeah, because it was an animal. No such thing as Bigfoot. Stop it. Anyway, the reason I'm <laughs> I took some notes and these are my reactions. Right, so this one was in particular. Oh god, I can't even remember what episode it was, right? But in this episode they have an expert, right? And he looks like Dana Carvey yeah. in full facial prosthetics, right? <laughs> So at first I was like, is this real? Or is that Dana Carvey doing a character? (laughs) Honestly, if I could tell you what episode it was, I feel really bad that I can't. But it must be in series one, and it'll be the very first instance that they talk about Bigfoot. And you'll know him when you see him, because he looks like Dana Carvey in full facial. (laughs) (laughs) Complete with a crazy fucking professor from the University of Colorado right that has like plaster molds who obviously runs the like mickey mouse class at the 
Colorado University where he's on about this is a this is not a known primate and this uh, yeah because it's a fake footprint you idiot <laughs> they use the terms credible witnesses so many times yeah and I was like who's a credible witness mm-hmm. and the only credible witness that so I'm doing air quotes credible witness that actually shows up through the whole thing is this Dana Carvey guy and I'm not convinced that he's a real person <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, they talk about hair analysis, which we all know is absolute nonsense because they always are wrong. Because one per- one lab will analyze a hair and go, this definitely isn't a known species of anything. And then the next lab will be like, it's a dog. And then the next lab will be like, oh, this is some kind of primate. And then the next lab will be like, this is unknown to humanity. And you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's bullshit at that time. Yeah. I think we've gotten better now. But at the time, it was it was absolutely that is not credible evidence no. because hair analysis wasn't a thing. There's actually some stuff going on right now on Netflix if you're interested about the whole thing with DNA testing and stuff as well, how that is, and like blood splatter analysis and all that stuff. It's all pseudoscience. Oh yeah, for the most part. But we won't get it's, into that. It's people trying their best to come to a conclusion. Yes, and it being presented as if it is foolproof fact because it's using scientific methodology. Yeah. We all know that that's the case for... Uh, did you watch The Staircase? No. Right. I will, we'll have to, you'll have to watch that and we'll have to have an episode where we talk about it because it's fucking amazing. Nice. Anyway, um, and also, before I finish on this segment, what the fuck is a biological artist? Uh, is it someone that draws with dirt apparently based on eyewitness accounts biological artists can sketch cryptids similar to a police sketch artist but like they just said it like it was nothing in the episode they're like this biological artist based on eyewitness accounts was able to construct this image (sighs) of a what the bigfoot creature would actually look like and i'm going what the fuck is a biological artist? I've never heard that. So they, they 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 created a term and defined it within the episode. <laughs> a biological artist, ba- ba- you like creates drawing based on eyewitness accounts. You're like a pre basically police sketch artist for complete bullshit. Yeah, for bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, but they do, they do so many like they say such weird things. Like there was this one episode about um. Oh God! What was it? There was this this couple that were like going down a river by the Grand Canyon in like the 1920s or 1918 or something like that, and um, they went missing. And I don't remember most of it, but at some point in the 1970s, I think they find um, a boathouse, like an abandoned boathouse, and in the boat is a skeleton, and just a skeleton, no clothes, no nothing, just like just skeleton. Yeah. And they were able to determine that he was approximately 22 to 23 years old, 24 years old, six foot something, male with brown hair. I'm all, but it's, there's, it's a skeleton. Like it's got no hair. There was no hair there. There was no nothing. Well, how do you know it had brown hair? There are just so many sentences and, and, and aspects of the show that are completely bizarre 
they're in presented their... to people that are not expected to use any critical thought. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's so it's insulting when you notice it. You it's know? insulting and it's patronizing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're giving this show a lot of shit, but I do love this show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Before we go, we both have to tell a personal story about it because... Yeah, well, one of my favorite things about it, too, is, like, it made you want to believe things. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, like, uh, 10 years old or something like that, I, I hear that music and I'm on it. Especially yeah. if it's a, a UFO episode or a ghost episode, I'm like, oh, my God, give oh, it to yeah. me lay it all on me and you wanted you wanted to believe in it um i i think that unsolved mysteries laid the foundation for my intrigue in paranormal yeah. you know shit my, that in the combination of my mother who was already into it um it's definitely the first thing that i mm-hmm. can think of in my memory as being so influential on me in terms of the paranormal shit and yeah. it, 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 it it is so much so a part of who i am now because of this show and i think a lot of people listening too i mean we so many of us grew up with this this is that music is part of our childhoods you know yeah. it is it is it, anybody who was born uh from like the 60s to i said 1990s like it's part of your childhood it sure is <laughs> And it's funny how some, I mean, we all will have watched it from beginning to end and and had um, an appreciation for all the segments, for the lost loves and everything like that. But really, most of us that I know, the people that we associate with, mm-hmm. they were crossing their fingers there was a paranormal segment on. Oh, yeah. And there's some episodes where there's not. Because that was not their priority. Their priority was actually solving mysteries. <laughs> you can't really solve the mystery of a ghost. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in the the late eighties, early nineties. I feel like in the the nineties, we got uh, maybe like mid late nineties, we got a lot more of the paranormal episodes because that's what everybody wanted. I I I mean that's more than likely because I started to notice there was at least one featured towards the later end mm-hmm. but in the beginning you have to skip through quite a few episodes before you find one that's ghosty yeah. um and even then you can tell Robert Stack's not that thrilled and he goes <laughs> on the record and he, him and the producers are all like when they first started doing the show they thought that they were hokey but there's yeah. some that really convinced them that they were legit, but they really didn't like the paranormal stuff in the beginning, which is why it doesn't feature so much. Yeah. Obviously, later when they realized that that was probably a third of their audience were watching for those, they um, they started to you know placate them, and yeah. thankfully so because it improved, in my opinion, the overall um, sort of. Uh, a breadth of the show so it covered more so you yeah. have an episode where there was an unsolved murder that people could call in a missing person that people would be able to help with maybe an unsolved like phenomenon and then mm-hmm. a ghosty one or a cryptid or you know yeah, and you, you, from like champlain yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's good and talking about the paranormal ones for a while they had like a house parapsychologist did you ever notice that no Okay, so I didn't know, they don't talk about it on anything that I read, but because I was watching so many in a row, the same guy started showing up in a lot of the interviews, and I thought, why is this guy all over the US? And I sort of realized that, no, 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 
it's the show's person. So when people would write in and say they've got a ghost and if they've never had a paranormal investigator go to their house, they'd send this guy and his name is William Roll. And he looks like an he looks like Gary Oldman. Nice. Nice. But he's like German or Swiss or something. He's got like an accent from like somewhere in, in Europe. Like, like, I don't know. I can't quite place it. I think for, statistically, when it comes to something mysterious like that, we're more likely, especially as in America, more likely to believe you if you have a mysterious European accent. Yeah, mysterious. Yeah, yeah. So like Swiss or German or something like that. It's like you trust your nurse if she's English. Because like that was the, one of the reasons why my mom got fished to America. She was a nurse and, yeah. and she was told Americans really like English nurses. They trust them. It's true. Yeah. But yeah, um, this guy, check him out. Like, next time you're watching, if if the family haven't had like anyone investigate, they, they, they call this guy William Roll. And he looks basically like Gary Oldman with big 70s style, like 80s style glasses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if there was a movie, we've already cast two of the characters. We've got <laughs> Gary Oldman as the bloody parapsychologist. And we've got Dana Carvey as the Bigfoot ep- uh, expert. I'm telling yeah. you. We gotta make this movie. We gotta make this movie. Oh my god. We're both scanning our notes now to make sure we've talked about everything. The only thing I haven't talked about is my personal story. Give me your personal story. Okay. So I'm closing my book now. And I'm gonna tell you the story of how unsolved mysteries scared the shit out of a seven-year-old Danielle. Yeah. Okay, so Unsolved Mysteries has been running since 1988 and I was born in 1986. Um, I should not have been allowed to watch that show before I hit the ripe age of like probably 12 because that show is actually really disturbing, especially when you look back with it with, with 21st century eyes and you look back and you go, oh my God. Somehow I must have seen it around the age of seven or eight because mm-hmm. I was still in England and I was still a child and this is a very vivid memory to me. I know that I know the theme song in my head and I know that my mum has probably let me watch episodes. I don't know the circumstances. All I know is that a particular episode, which I do not know if it exists, installed in me a complex, which I still have to this day. Okay. So I believe the episode featured two children or young boys going fishing and I believe on their fishing trip that they think that they saw like a gnome or some kind of small ghost small impy man maybe a fairy or a pixie yeah I do not remember details about the actual episode all I know is that that's the route and it was unsolved mysteries so if anybody out there has a encyclopedic knowledge (laughs) of the segments because I tried to find and looking up unsolved mysteries, two boys go fishing doesn't really help. <laughs> they might not have been fishing, but in <laughs> they might have just been in the woods. I don't know. But essentially, two boys, I think, encounter some kind of miniature person. Mm-hmm. I, this must have scared the bejesus out of me because from that point onwards, I believed that a small gnome-like man lived on the top of my mum and dad's wardrobe. Eee. Okay. So... 
I'm in my brain as well. They look the the thing looks kind of like a gnome. It looks kind of gnomish and dangles its legs off the edge of the wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. And for a long time, I definitely remember I needed to run down the stairs because the part of the wardrobe where my parents where where it haunted or lived was the bit that looked over the like when the door was open to the bedroom where yeah. you could see it from the landing where the stairs went down. So yeah. I'd have to run down the stairs and it'd be able to see me like behind my head. Yeah. So I'd have to run and I would never look into my parents' bedroom when their bedroom door was open at night because I was so scared of seeing this thing. And to this day, um, if a door is open and I can see the top of a wardrobe, my stomach turns over unless yeah. unless it's not got anything on it. If it's got nothing on it, then I'm fine. Only if it's got shit stored on it because yeah. I can be hiding there. My stomach turns over. I think that basically Unsolved Mysteries made me think that gnomes live on the top of wardrobes. <laughs> Like scary ass notes. And what I like is that as you were describing the the um yeah being able to see it into your your uh, parents' doorway, your the door behind you uh, opened a bit. I'm all oh Danielle, you're invoking some shit right now. <laughs> should I tell you the very logical explanation, or should I let you just believe that the door opened by itself? It was a cat, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I assumed so, but it was good timing perfect yeah patrick's come for his supper but yeah other than that i had a fear of flushing my toilets because of the film gremlins yeah there was okay so you talk about (laughs) seeing unsolved mysteries at too young of an age yeah let me tell you something when i was i've been watching evil dead and tales from the crypt since i was like four yeah 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 so yeah there was no such thing as uh, inappropriate for my age apparently i uh i watched it all very early on you know and but, we, we we turn out you've turned out okay but you've got yeah. some quirks a few <laughs> i got a, got a small handful of quirks yeah so you know there might be some argument to keeping things age appropriate but there was some movie and i can't remember what so I, I watched it when i still lived in pennsylvania so i must have been younger than six i want to say probably about five years old i don't remember what movie it was but it was like a bunch of like 80s punks, like rock and rollers in a high school or like an abandoned building like a high school. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I don't remember much other than like there's like demons or ghosts or something. But I remember one of these like rocker punk guys sits on a toilet and then a hand reaches in from under the toilet, from inside the toilet <sighs> and pulls his guts out through his ass. Oh, my God. And yeah, they find this dead body. Yeah, as a child, I'm just imagining a child watching that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was like a trauma movie or something. Yeah. Because it wasn't great, you know, it wasn't well done. But yeah, I must have been about five and I was just like, well, toilets are now the scariest thing. Yeah. Great. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all probably have some kind of story about we watched something way too young. I definitely think I saw Gremlins too young and it scared the crap out of me. And I definitely think that um, I saw Unsolved Mysteries possibly too young. Because I've, I've, there's actually, you know, like, the more I think about it, the more things that I remember being afraid of as a child, I could probably um, trace back to that or X-Files. 
yeah, and I know for sure that I wasn't allowed to watch X-Files. So if I've got an X-Files episode memory fear in my head, it's because I was watching it without my parents' permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because X-Files was bedtime. So back to Unsolved Mysteries. So celebrity deaths. I really enjoyed them because I loved the the dramatic reenactments, obviously. There's one episode about Elvis's last day that was particularly dramatic. I, it made me feel more for Elvis in his last day than I ever actually thought I would. Right. You know. Because yeah. it said, I, like, um, is it possible that he took his own life? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And And honestly, I'll buy that. I'll totally buy that. Like he he was he was on a psychotic concoction of drugs every day mm. um, to deal with pain, to deal with like a whole bunch of things. He was on an absurd amount of drugs, even so much so that the people that were like his assistants and things like that were like, are you sure about this? And he goes, oh, yeah, man, I'll do it every day. And it was it was really, really ugly, but particularly right around the time of his death, it had become sort of common knowledge. The media had reported that he was now impotent. He was just about to start a tour that he really, really did not want to do. He like he kept was telling everybody, I don't want to do this, man. I don't want to do this. Like he really didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And like that episode, I, I, I wish I could remember what what season, what episode, because it was really it was really sad. And, you know, I'm I'm the kind of asshole that just like, hey, Elvis died in the toilet. That's funny. But looking at it, I'm all like, yeah, no, that's it's actually really tragic. What was going on as as his kind of life hit hit its last day. And I liked that. I liked how it was done. I liked that. I don't think you actually ever saw the actor's face, the reenacting actor of Elvis. Mm-hmm. Or if you did, it was so immemorable that you still were able to kind of superimpose your own Elvis there. Yeah. Um, it was it was well done. I really loved that. And they did this one episode on uh, the Bruce and Brandon Lee curse right. that I thought was really kind of fun and fascinating. I mean, it's it's sad. I, I remember when Brandon Lee died, we, we were the crow generation, right? Like the crow mm-hmm. came out and every single one of us, every single girl between the ages of nine and 18 were just like, oh, my God, this goth man is everything that I want in my life. And uh, to find out that he actually died during the making of The Crow was was devastating. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God, we just we literally just fell in love with you. Yeah. And you're dead. What? But so Brandon Lee is the son of Bruce Lee, martial art god, essentially, who died very mysteriously from a freak allergic reaction to a pain medicine because at the time they had just recently diagnosed him with cerebral edema which is when there's like a buildup of uh, too much fluid in the brain, I believe. Okay. And so he had f- fairly frequent seizures and headaches and he had some friends over and they were going to work they were working on a project that they were going to be doing together and he got a headache. And so his friend was just like, here, take some of this medicine. So he took that medicine and he didn't wake up the next day. What was interesting about Bruce Lee's death is that, <laughs> Oh God bless American Robert Stack. <laughs> so for the most part we can all kind of agree that it was just sort of a freak re- freak reaction to a medicine but was it murder from a from the yakuza or a curse on him and his family the mysterious f- forces of feng shi <laughs> i 
know about you, but I'm pretty sure feng shui is not a curse thing. <laughs> but one funny little little thing that it made me go, hmm, is that his his house was believed to have been in like really terrible harmony feng shui wise. So much so like like the construction of it was was bad. Yeah. Um. So that the owner that owned the house before uh, Bruce Lee did had put a mirror on the roof of the house, um, which yeah, it's like a small ceiling. Uh, roof outside of the house. To reflect the sun off the top of the. To reflect demons and bad energy out. How big of a mirror? Maybe like. Five, oh, okay, six okay, 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 okay. I was thinking solar panels. Size. No, no, no. <laughs> like small round mirror, much like a. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting what it's called. Like a compact. Kind of, yeah. But I mean, it's something I do in my house too because we had some bad mojo here. I'll go into in another episode. But I have mirrors posted outside of every door of our house because of uh, uh, some some gnarly stuff that was going on here. So I, I know I understand that in principle and I get it. So they had a round mirror on the roof of the house and then the mirror was ripped off during a typhoon and Bruce Lee died the next day. So that's How why did I th- know that. Um because a typhoon hit and the mirror was gone and then he died the next day. Yeah, but how do they know? I don't know. It's mystery it's unsolved mysteries, man. It's just, I'm just saying that the mirror could have been gone a long time before the typhoon. Well, no, but there were media outside his house all the time, like taking pictures of his house. Um, so they know that at least um, up until recently, uh, up until, you know, the more recent pictures, the mirror was there. And then the mirror was not after a typhoon. It couldn't possibly be anything to do with the um, the environmental pressures can have influenced the fact that he had fluid in his brain is that what not what you told me oh no no, no. i i am 100 percent in the whole no he the cerebral edema and allergic reaction to medication absolutely <laughs> but the mirror disappeared the day before he died i don't Do know this... that thing i just taught you no, last that week thing. that thing oh, I yes. just, no a couple weeks ago um ad hoc ergo proctor hoc the fallacy <laughs> Of this event happened, then this event happened, so they must be connected. Yes, I know. They brought it up, and I went, "Oh, huh, that's neat." And it was not that I actually believe in it; I just thought that was neat. No, no, I I love you for bringing it up. It meant that I got to say ad hoc ergo proctor hoc again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so the, they believe that the curse passed down to his son Brandon Lee, and you know, I remember when it happened, I was just like, "Can I just interject still? something real quick?" Yeah. I've just this moment found out that Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's son. Oh! And you just said it right then. Yep. I actually didn't know that. Yes, he, he is. Was. Right? I, I, made the, I made the mind blown thing. You know, s- s- nobody can know everything. I'm justifying myself to our listeners now. I know <laughs> a heck of a freaking lot that you don't know. And you know a heck of a lot that I don't know. Yeah. And it's fine. We can share knowledge. I genuinely didn't put the two and two together there. Mm-hmm. True story. Wow. Okay, sorry. Just thought I'd tell you that you've actually... I didn't know that. And I'm sat here going, wait, Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's son? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so like I remember just kind of going, was so wait, was he murdered? We all kind of sat there going, I think he was murdered. Maybe somebody on the set, you know, did it on purpose. But if you look at the these, these sort of like step by step of where these bullets came from, 
they they came from a pawn shop because they were clearing out the pawn shop to do a scene in the pawn shop. And they're like, hey, while we're here, we'll grab some props. They grabbed some bullets. They ended up being live bullets. The prop master was pissed about it so that they, instead of um, completely getting rid of it, they rejigged them into being blanks. And by the the episode actually really goes into good detail about sort of like the step-by-step path of the bullet that ended up killing him. But it was, yes, it's all totally freak accident. It was like, it was like final destination shit, you know, watching the whole thing laid out. I'm like, wow, if that was a curse, I just watched it in action. If not, that's really sucks. Cause that is so fucking random. Right. Right. Cool. I mean, not cool for him, but cool yeah. that they were able to track it all the way through through every yeah. detail. Some good good cop cop work there. Unlike a lot of things that we watch, where you're like shitty copying work there, shitty yeah. cop work there, man. It's time for us to wrap shit up. So, if you have any information for this podcast, write to us at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail dot com. You need not give your name. Next time on Zombie Fishbowl. Random topic picker, random topic picker, you're a random topic picker and you're gonna pick a topic. Witches curses. Ooh, fun. Nice one. As a witch, I am both offended and excited about it. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening. (laughs) If you're interested, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. One of the two, we are very easy to find. And yeah, you mentioned the email. So join us next week on Zombie Fishbowl. Where you may be able to help us solve a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Okay.